Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Well, here we are. Let's do it one more time. It is an open forum Wednesday. Grant Napier here on Listen Up. Hope you have had a really good day. And um, well, open forum Wednesday is exactly what it means. Open forum Wednesday. And we're getting ready for a, a big Father's Day weekend. And coming up on Friday, I'll have a Father's Day tribute. We'll also be looking at perhaps the end of the NBA season, as tomorrow, of course, is game six in Boston. Tonight, you get the uh, National Hockey League underway, uh, the Stanley Cup Finals with Tampa Bay uh, at Colorado, and the U.S. Open, round one tomorrow. And you know what? Good for Brooks Kepka to tell the media, you know, this is ridiculous. You know, the players that are playing in the U.S. Open that are not part of the live tour, they, what the hell do they have to answer questions for every day about that? They have nothing to do with it. And I agree with Brooks Kepka. He got a little testy there, and I, I understand it completely. You know, why the hell does Brooks Kepka care about an event played last week in London on a different tour? Right? And I understand the responsibility of the media. I get that. And it is the U.S. Open. But, you know, if you're on the other side of the fence, which the golfers are, that are PGA players, you don't want to have to talk about that. You know, I certainly wouldn't want to talk about that. So fire it up today. Let me know which way do you want to go. And we will do it right here on Listen Up. I spent some time yesterday uh, talking about Deshaun Watson. I did my rant on that today. I, you know, the more I look into this, the more I'm convinced that Deshaun Watson has a, a a problem. And by that, I mean, there's something not right with him. I'll just leave it at that. There's something not right there. And, you know, we always will find out everything as it relates to this story in due time. But I don't know. I, I, I wonder, and I really mean this, I wonder if the Cleveland Browns could go back and do it all over again, would they have gone after Deshaun Watson? And remember, they weren't the only team. Carolina was going after him. There was one other team I can't remember right off the top of my head, but uh, the Panthers wanted him. So very interesting. And again, round one tomorrow, NBA Finals, game six tomorrow, hockey tonight. Tampa Bay and Colorado, if you are going to be watching that game 
Let me know what you think. Who do you like? That's another reason why I wanted to come on today at 4 o'clock. I didn't want to go head-to-head with the hockey game on this particular show with the opening of the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs. So, again, I want to hear from you. I want to know what you think on this open form Wednesday. You know, we haven't talked about baseball that much, and I get it. You know, right now it's we're being consumed by the NBA, uh, the NHL, uh, the news in golf. But uh, the Yankees are 45 and 16, and they've got a nine-game lead on Toronto. And you know what I say as a Yankee fan? Big deal. Big deal. So they're on pace to win 117 or 118 games. Big deal. So what? You know, last year, weren't the Dodgers and the Giants having storybook years? Right? Did you see a parade in downtown San Francisco last year or downtown Los Angeles? No, but I saw one in Atlanta. I mean, you know, if the Yankees don't win the World Series, for them, it's an unsuccessful season. So I don't get too wrapped up in the fact that they're 45 and 16. Because you know what? If they don't win in October, 45 and 16, which translates into 90 and 32 and whatever, you know, keep on doing the math. So what? Big deal. Big deal. You know? How do you feel about that? Do you you think that a team that is expected to win world championships, which they haven't done now in a long time, like I'm going to get all caught up on the regular season? I don't even watch the games. I really don't. I I have a tough time watching baseball right now. I honestly do. And I'm a fan of a team that's having an incredible, maybe, and again, I say this, maybe a historic season. Maybe. And I get it caught up on that. You know, the Mets fans, they have something to be excited about in New York because they haven't been in this position in a long time. They're 41 and 22. And selfishly, you know, being from New York, I would love a Subway series. You know, I'm looking at the West, you know, the Dodgers, the Padres with the Giants right on their heels. That's going to be a fun race throughout the summer. So if you want to talk about baseball, we can do that as well uh, on this Open Forum Wednesday. Coming up on Friday, uh, Tim Brando is going to be back on the podcast with me. And we're going to talk a lot about what's going on this new golf tour. Okay, so we'll do that coming up on Friday. And also on Friday on this show, uh, we'll talk some Father's Day memories. I would love to hear what yours are. We'll do that on uh, Friday's show. But I want to hear from you, man. Let's go hit that hand icon. All right. And we will be more than happy uh, to put you right on on this open forum Wednesday. All right. Why don't we start off and we say hello to Al. Al, it's always great to hear your voice. How are you, sir? Grant, I'm good, man. How you doing? I'm well. Thank you for calling. I got to tell you, I, I hear you. I hear you with the baseball. I know you're a longtime Yankee. And- it's June, middle of June, you know, there's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah, and the Yankees with their tradition. But still, it's, it's pretty cool to see. And, you know, I got to say, you know, I'm not a New York fan of any New York team, but wow, both New York teams being in a World Series, that would be something else. Yeah, it's happened once before. Um, obviously, you know, it, it's, it's, it doesn't, it's not a common occurrence. And uh, that would rock New York. Now, I don't know how that would translate to the rest of the country. But generally speaking, if the Yankees are in the World Series, you know, that attracts 
a lot of people. They are arguably uh, the most well-known franchise in the world. So I get that. That would be good for baseball. You, you know, was that, that must have been when they played the Giants, uh, when the Giants were in New York. They never played the Mets, right? No, they played the Mets. They played the Mets, uh, you know, in the World Series, uh, the Subway Series. Oh, they did? Yes, they did. Yes. Yes. What year was uh, that? Look it up oh, right now. Yankees, Mets, oh, World Series bad. history. You know, that was uh, Mike Piazza. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Here. Oh, I remember uh, those those Mets. Gary Carter, Str Daryl Strawberry, man. Those were some good Mets teams, but I don't remember them playing your guys. You would have this over me, so. Uh, the the uh, year 2000. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. That was uh, and then the big four were with the Yankees back then on their on their run, right? Um, yes. Well, the Yankees run, you know, in the Derek Jeter era and, you know, when they went on that great run in the first decade. Uh, yeah. Yes, correct. That is correct. Absolutely. But the Yankees have not won a World Series since uh, 2009. So from a Yankees perspective, all right, it has been a long time. All right, but uh, the world's not the world quite as bad as the yeah. not quite as bad as the Cubs fan. Yeah, not quite as bad as a, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Not quite as bad as a Cubs fan perspective, but yeah, I hear you. Yep, absolutely. Hey, uh, hey, I, I got a I got a comment. You know, I I feel like the word dynasty is so overused, or you know, at times. I mean, for me, this is my take, and then I'd like to hear your take. You talk about dynasties. I think of the your Yankees, you know, when, uh, you know, Yogi, I think in his era, and, and there were years where the Yankees were like, what, one, eight, nine out of, out of you know, out of the decade, and the Montreal Canadiens, the 60s Celtics, I mean, do you, you feel, oh, that team's a dynasty, like, we're talking about the Warriors now, trying to get their fourth championship in so many years, what's your take on, on the dynasty, you think it's, you have a specific like Showtime, you know, Lakers. They went nine times to the finals in the in the decade, but they lost four of them. How do you take that? How, what's your take? You know, I, it's interesting how you define a dynasty. First of all, you have to have multiple championship appearances, and I think you have to win. Right. Like the Buffalo Bills went to the Super Bowl four years in a row, and they lost four Super Bowls in a right. row. Would you consider that a dynasty because they won their conference championship every year? I wouldn't. I mean, to me, to be a real true dynasty, you have to be the winner. You yeah. have to win the championship. I mean, you go back to the Montreal Canadiens uh, and their great teams. You know, you go back to the Yankees, clearly yeah. a dynasty. I mean, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And, you know, you can look at, you know, the again, there are different sports, different teams. You know, the Steelers with their great era with, you know, four Super Bowls uh, in, you know, the I think the Warriors are a dynasty. I absolutely do. And if the Warriors yeah. win this championship, I don't see how you could not consider the Spurs and their championships in five, you know, winning, winning five during that era. I think that was a dynasty, even though it was a little more spread out. I still think that era of Tim Duncan was a dynasty with the Spurs. I like your thinking because when you speak to era, you speak to like, teams that when they were together as a group you know and uh you know the yeah. same well, pretty much the same players and and of course i agree winning championships i mean i think the steelers teams won four out of six years and 
you know, I, I mean, it's, go ahead. You were going to make a comment about maybe there's the roster changes a bit or the look changes a bit. Is that your take? Well, I think the errors, um, there are different errors. Back when you and I were growing up, when you were a fan of, let's say, a baseball team or right. a football team, those were the players that you were going to watch throughout their career. They weren't going and playing on other teams for the most part. I mean, occasionally right. baseball had trades, but in football, very rarely would you see player movement in the National Football League. I mean, I remember when Wilbur Marshall left uh, the Redskins to go play for the Bears. You know, that was an aberration. That did not happen very often. So, right. you know, I remember growing up in the 60s, I can name you all the players to this day that were on the Giants because they were there uh, every single year during their career. I mean, I remember watching Tucker Fredrickson and Bobby Duhon, uh, right. you know, as the running backs with Joe Morrison. You know, on defense, you know, I remember you had Fred Dreyer, you had Jack Gregory, you had John Mendenhall, Spider Larkhart, Willie Williams. And as a kid growing up, those were the players that I watched year after year after year. Now, Fred yeah. Dreyer did leave to go to L.A. and go to the Rams. But again, uh, that was not common. So uh, the players that you grew up watching, right. there wasn't this mad free agency and changing of teams. So you had more of a connection with your team and the players. You know, if you were fortunate enough to have a jersey of a player growing up in the era that you and I did, you generally would have that jersey and you wouldn't have to worry about that player going to play somewhere else and you wouldn't be able to wear your jersey anymore because they were going to be with their team from start to finish. I, I That is well said. Well said. I completely agree. I remember Jack Youngblood's teams, those Rams teams were pretty much yes. together. Freddie came over and, he had every every year he had Blood, Hacksaw, Reynolds, uh, Butch Robertson, you know, Freddie, yeah. uh, you know, and they all worked Jackie together. Slater. Jackie Slater, man, you know, and so, yeah. you know, I love that point. I'm just, I'll let, let you go in a minute, but let me, one real quick. You're going to, I listen to your Tim Brando podcast. I love, you know, Tim Brando, great stuff. I had a question about nil. I, I tried to look it up on the web, on the Google What's the issue with in in layman's terms? Could you tell explain what is uh, uh, Nick Saban referring to when he makes his statement about Texas A and M? Are they doing something outside of the, no. of the, of the rules or what is? No, his? they're not. No, no. And he didn't. He, he did not say they were doing something outside of the rules. What he said was that they use name, image, and likeness with their rich. Uh, booster program, wealthy as can be, to basically go out and sign players and entice them with name, image, and likeness deals more so than other teams because of the money with their booster. That's in a nutshell what he was trying to say. What's your take on that? On his position? You I'm not. A, I, I, well, he what he said was right. I think he was wrong for singling out Texas A&M. That was the mistake that he made. I think he made a mistake there, and he had actually came out and acknowledged that uh, a day later or so that he he was wrong for doing that. But his that what he was saying, the meat of what he was saying, uh, is accurate. I am not a fan of name, image, and likeness. And as Tim Brando said very well, uh, it's free agency in college football yeah. with no salary cap. And I'm sorry, I'm not a fan of free agency with no salary cap in college football. I think it's going to be a very uh, – I think it's just going to change – landscape of college football to a point where to me personally, it's going to diminish the enjoyment of watching it. But that's just my opinion. I know a lot of people would disagree with me, but you know, free agency in colleges, I'm not a fan of that. I'm not a fan of that at all. 
Okay. Well, that I, I get you. I, I guess so. Alabama, their boosters. I assume they've got some pretty wealthy boosters in their uh, in their history. Imagine they could probably do the same thing A and M's doing. I, would think. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, uh, when you look at A and M, uh, from what I understand, they have a endless amount of money from their boosters. So again, I don't know what. I really don't know what is considered an enormous amount of money from boosters and things of that right. nature. I, I I don't know the answer to that question. What I do know is that you're going to see so much movement in college football, as Tim Brando was saying. I personally don't think that is good for the game, mm -hmm. and I don't I don't I also don't think it's good for the uh, student athletes, which now really aren't going to be as much student athletes. They're going, you know, again, we 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 need to point this out. Yeah. A very, 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 very small percentage of college athletes ever go to play professionally. So let's mm -hmm. say we talk about, we always talk about the players that get the big contracts and go play in pro mm -hmm. sports. We don't really talk about the players that don't go on in pro sports. So they go to college, they're afforded a free education. Okay. Um, now, mm -hmm. don't they need their education to move forward? Now, the, the, the flip side of this, okay, you could say, well, Grant, now they're able to make an income while they're in college so that if they don't make it to professional sports, they've got a head start coming out of college. And I would say, yep, that's true. And, and I guess I'm OK with that. But I always thought that you went to college, you went to a university and colleges to get an education and get a degree. I mean, I, that, that, and I played sports in college. I played lacrosse. Mm -hmm. Now, I didn't play, you know, big time lacrosse in terms of college football. I played Division One lacrosse. And for me, it was big time, but it wasn't big time in terms of the money. Um, I wasn't going to play professional lacrosse, which did not exist at the time. But still, mm. you know, even though I went to college to play lacrosse, I went to college to get my edu to get my degree. Yeah. And I just I think we've lost that in this in, in today's society. We always talk about our athletes and our professional athletes. Yeah. And we talk about the money that our big stars in college sports get. But we don't talk about, you know, the backup guard or the backup center or the backup tackle or the backup linebacker or the backup cornerback right. or that they never go and play professional sports. And at the end of four years, do they have a degree or do they not have a degree? And I think a lot of athletes look back at their four years or five years in college and regret that while they were playing sports, they didn't get a degree. Because I've talked to a lot of people that, are, that, that have said, man, I really wish that I had worked harder to get my degree when I was afforded a scholarship to go to college. You know, and a lot, of, and some of them even go back and finish after the fact, after their career. Yes, they do. That's correct. Yep. Thanks, That's Dick. very correct. Have a good night, right, buddy. Thank, thank you. I really appreciate that. I remember when I interviewed David Shaw, the head coach of Stanford once, and I asked him about recruiting football players to go to Stanford. And he said, and I'm paraphrasing, he said, the first thing we do is we look at a student's transcript. And if the transcripts don't jump out off the page, we don't recruit that individual because they won't be able to stay in school and play football. So he goes, why would I recruit an athlete that will not be able to handle the academic curriculum at Stanford? He said, it's gonna hurt my program. It's gonna hurt the individual. So I have to recruit players that I'm confident can handle the curriculum academically before they step onto the football field and play for me. Now that's not true of most colleges and universities, I guarantee you Nick Saban doesn't look at a kid's transcripts and figure out whether or not he's going to be able to graduate or not. Okay. So it's different. You know, if you're at an Ivy League school, 
course you're, you're, you're doing what Coach Shaw did. You're looking at transcripts. You're looking at, can that individual make it for the four years that they're playing for me? Right? It's just the way it is. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Stress. We all have it to a degree, big, small, but I think you can agree we all carry around different stressors. Most of you know what I've gone through the last four years, complete career change, moving across the country, filing a lawsuit, being in the news often, dealing with all of that, trust me, has not been easy. And if you keep things bottled up, it can really have a negative impact on your life. Therapy is a safe space. You get things off your chest. You can figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills. You can set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. And you know what, folks? It's not just for those who have experienced major trauma. Hey, if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's online. It's easy, convenient, flexible, and it's suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. Switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash grant today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash grant. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, let's get to uh, some more phone calls here, and we say hello to Ryan. Ryan, good afternoon. How are you today? Doing well. How you doing, buddy? I'm well. I'm doing good. Thanks. Hey, you know, I, I got to chime in about this. Um, I do agree about the transfer portal, but this has been going on for years. I'm not going to say the program that I played for, I was a practice player for and affiliated with, um, but, you know, even that second third string, you know, like center cornerback, the boosters were always giving money out to these guys. And there's other programs that were set up for these guys to get paid. So, you know, I don't have any issue with them getting paid, especially when NCAA knew it was going on. It was like the equivalent, as long as you didn't go 75 and a 65, they turned their head. But mm-hmm. I, I do think compensation is fair to them. And, you know, you know, the classic argument about, you know, well, you're getting a free education. Well, I can tell you there's guys on our team that got Pell grants on top of their full scholarships from California. And it, it's just, uh, you know, I, I don't have a problem with the money. Is that where you have the problem or is it actually the transfer portal? Uh, you know, the transfer portal is more of a new concept in college sports. I mean, the way it's done now. Um, I haven't studied it probably like you have. I mean, I, I, ha- I have and I haven't. I guess the point I'm trying to make is I see it more in college basketball where it's now like uh, I'll use Eric Musselman as an example. He's used that transfer portal to his advantage big time to build now a powerhouse 
in college basketball, in addition to his recruiting, and I don't mean to, uh, but I mean the transfer portal has been huge for him. And I think that the coaches that can really use that to their success are the ones that are going to benefit the most. Now, I'm answering only one small part of your question. I, I think because of my age and because I'm older and because how I grew up watching sports, I think I have an old-fashioned perspective and I'm probably not as hip to what's going on in 2020 in terms of where we're at with name, image, likeness, the transfer portal. Um, you know, it used to be, as you well know, if you transferred, you had to sit out a year, right? So right. if you were going to transfer out of Ohio State and go to USC or what have you, Troy Aikman, you know, transferring from uh, UCLA to Oklahoma, or was it Oklahoma to UCLA? I can't even remember right now. But the point is, you know, they had to sit out a year, right? I, I was never really a fan of that. Uh, when coaches leave, do they have to sit out a year, right? When a coach leaves a program like Lincoln Riley did to go west, does he have to sit out a year? No, but he can leave anytime he wants. So I never really thought that was particularly fair. I understood why, because it was a deterrent for a young individual to go, God, I can't play sports now for a whole year. I, I understand that. It made them think twice about transferring. I, I And Tim Brando said this. I think that college sports is void of a true leader. There's no true leader of college sports. There's no – I mean, the NCAA has been, as you well know, much maligned, and they have been uh, really a joke in many people's eyes as it relates to Division One sports. I, I wish I could sit here and tell you I have all the answers as it relates to college sports. I don't. I just kind of like the way it used to be compared to the way it is today. That's all. I'll just leave it at that. I kind of like the way it used to be. I'm not a, a, a fan. And maybe I'm not a fan of the way it is now, Ryan, because I, I don't have the complete 100% understanding. Maybe if you ask me this five years from now, I'll have a completely different perspective. But I, I'm old-fashioned. I thought you went to college to get a degree. And then, oh, yeah, by the way, you played sports. And, yes, I understand that if you go to Alabama or you go to Duke or North Carolina or Kansas, you know, to play college basketball – you probably at or Kentucky, you have aspirations of playing professional sports. And I get that. But again, we're talking about a minute percentage, Ryan, of college athletes that go on to play professional sports. So I've always been one to think, OK, why are we putting all of our marbles in the basket of college sports then on to the professional ranks? No, colleges and universities are in our academic institutions. Alabama is an academic institution. It's not a sports institution. Even though the football program funds a lot of things at Alabama, and I get that, 99% of the students plus that go to Alabama are not playing football, okay? They are there to get an education. So Alabama is not a football institution. It is an academic institution. And I don't, I, I, I don't know why so many people forget that. Well, Grant, I think, and it's a good point, but you got to understand too. I mean, you were Division One with lacrosse, but even when you are in the off season, you are more of an athlete than you are a student. You are spending more time in, and I'll give study hall. That's one thing that we had to do, but you know, you have your morning workout, you have film study. You have practice, you have shoot around, you have so many, if you look at the balance of that, it's completely unbalanced. And I think that's what kind of bugs me because the NCAA has made so much money off of student athletes. See, I, it's really I, I disagree. student. Yeah, I disagree with you. And I'm going to tell you why. 
you're forgetting about the student that lives across the hall from you that is not on a scholarship, who is paying for their own education, who has to go to class, and then when they're not in class, they're working two minimum wage jobs to get through college, okay? So your time spent playing basketball or football or whatever the sport is, is fine, but you're not allowed to work and you don't work, you work at your sport, but you're not going to class, going to work, and then coming back and studying, getting up, maybe going to work before your first class. You know, why is it, Ryan, that we forget about all of the students in this country that go to college and work? What about that time? How come we don't mention that? How come we gloss over that? Uh, we do. You're absolutely right. I had numerous friends that were working one, two jobs. They were, you know, working until three in the morning, barbacking. But Grant, can you really not say that to a degree it's work when you're playing a sport? Like, it, it, Yes, it, it is work. work. But, yeah. but you're getting caught up in the word work. I'm going to use the word time. What difference does it make what work you're doing? What difference does it make whether you're playing a sport or you're working as a bar back or you're working at McDonald's or you're working at the library? It doesn't really matter. Work is work. I, or I mean, excuse me, time is time. You're, uh, I, I guess what you're saying is you don't have free time when you're an athlete for the most part because your time is so, it's like a pie. You know, you this part of the pie is going to practice. This part of pie, you're in class. This, right. but, but it's no difference than the pie of uh, the distribution of time for a regular student, is it not? I mean, what's, I guess my question to you is, we're talking about free time. What's the difference between playing a sport and having two jobs, like you've said many of your friends do? It's still a requirement and it doesn't allow you to do what maybe you'd be better off doing. I mean, I'm just saying, time is time, is it not? You, have, you only have 24 hours in a day. If you're playing sports for three hours a day or whatever the time commitment is, or four hours or five hours or six hours, and I'm working two jobs and I'm going to class full time, what's the difference? Well, that's, you hit the nail on the head. Time is time. It's not a requirement for some people that go to college to get a job because mom and dad may be Correct. paying for it. Correct. So it, it's, you know, that is the job. And I, I completely disagree with the NCAA, at least when I was in college, about being able to earn money doing things on the side or working. And quite I agree. frankly, we didn't have enough time to be able to do that because, you couldn't. like you said, no our way. day is completely, no way. yeah, it, it, there's no chance. So, I mean, for a lot of these guys, I, I guess, Grant, the way I would compare it is if you're somebody that's putting yourself through college, which I respect the hell out of, and you have to work on the side, that is a tough gig. But also a lot of these guys that are getting scholarships, I did not have a scholarship. I was doing this for the love of the freaking game, had some amazing, amazing experiences, like literally going to Texas Tech and looking across the sideline and seeing Bobby Knight right there blew my mind. But a lot of these guys that can't afford to go to college, this is their job. So if the university or the NCAA is going to make money off them on top of that, I, I just... I, I was not cool with that. So that's a great point. That's a great point what you just made right there. That point you just made, I agree with one hundred percent. 
So it was, um, it was a crazy experience. Very cool. You yep. see a different world and it, it's yep. just, you know, I, I, I hope these guys can at least, and I'm not saying Grant, I think you respect this. An education is the best gift that you can get or the best thing that you can earn. You can get $100,000, uh, yep. but not finish school and go to the NBA. That, that's yep. just like yep. the previous caller Jeff said. Or I think it was Jeff, where he's like, "Well, people go yep. back to college." The, not to be degree. Yes. Yeah. Not the, to be self-serving. Not to be self-serving, but that's why I started my foundation with one other gentleman, Joe Namath, not the former quarterback. And Joe and I started the Future Foundation in the early two thousands. And the reason is for what you just said: the greatest gift that you can give someone is an education. And we took. Uh, at need, underprivileged students, beginning in 10th grade, and we mentored them because many of these students that we took into our program were from not only very low-income families, they were being raised by, in some instances, an aunt, an uncle, a grandma, a grandfather, a sibling, and all these students needed was an olive branch, and they were, almost every one of our students were first-generation college students. No one in their family had ever gone to college before and these were students that were intellectually sound. They had aspirations, but they didn't really have any way to get there. And when you hand somebody an olive branch, you say, here it is, grab onto this, and we're gonna get you to where you wanna be in life. You have to do the work, but we're gonna be there with you, and we're gonna provide what you need, but you're the one that has to do the work. And once you do the work, you're not gonna have to pay to go to college. And you know, we put over 100 students through college at the foundation that Joe and I started in the early 2000s. And I will tell you, to this day, Ryan, it's the greatest thing, the most rewarding thing that I've done in my life other than raising my children. That's amazing, Grant. I know your uh, golf tournament supported that. Yes. Correct? Yeah. So yes, correct. What, what was the motivation to start a foundation like that? It was there any because that's... yes, that's a great question. Uh, it was because of my father and how my father was always putting himself last in everything he did. He was always out volunteering. He was always out helping less fortunate people. I, I share the story playing high school football and my dad at the end of one game goes, who is that? And uh, he was a black player and he had not been on the team previously. And I said, you know, dad, his name's Joe. I don't know that much about him. And my dad said, okay. And then I found out that he was uh, from an orphanage. And my dad mm -hmm. said, I want you to invite him to the Giants game, you know, New York Giants. We had season tickets for the Giants and the yeah. Jets. And I said, dad, he, does, he, he doesn't want to go. And my dad called the school got in touch with the orphanage, make a long story short, the reason why Joe said no, he was too embarrassed for us to go pick him up at the orphanage. But my dad insisted and was persistent. And Joe ended up not only going to the game the following week, he went to several games with us. And it always was ingrained in my head, wait a minute, you know what? You have to look around and look at people that maybe not as fortunate as you and reach out and help them. My brother, and I've been very open about this, was 
one of these naturally smart individuals. He was the National Honor Society in high school, took college courses his senior year in high school. I never really seen, saw him study that much. He was just naturally smart. He went to a very small private college in New York, very high academic standards, Union College, played football, okay, then played lacrosse, went there to play lacrosse, but played football also. So he played not only not only lacrosse, but he played football. He was a math major. Then he also went to get a double major. So he was a math major, an economics major, played football, played lacrosse at a Division three school, graduated with a 4.0 at the end of four years. And my brother could have worked for any major corporation, could have been doing whatever he wanted. You know what my brother did? He went and taught math at a high school on Freeport, Long Island. The high school was 90% black and Hispanic, okay? Low-income neighborhood. Um, he used to tell me at the beginning of the year, he would have 30 students in his classroom for math, and he would say, you know what? I knew within the first day that there were 10 students that no matter how hard I tried, there was nothing I was gonna be able to do for them. They were gonna be either not in class, they were gonna be at the principal's office, they, I couldn't contact their parents because they didn't have parents. And he said, there was nothing I could do. Then he said there were 10 students in the middle. And he said, if I worked hard, I could get them on the right path. And then he said, I had 10 students over here that I didn't have to worry about. They were there. They were smart. They were going to go to college. They were going to be successful. He said, my challenge every year was to take those 10 students that were on the bubble of life and, and, and put them in the right direction and i'm like wow and he said that was his life every single year so you asked me why did i decide to start this foundation it's because that's all i've known my entire life that's how i was raised i don't know what to say grant that's that's absolutely i mean it's mind-blowing and it's amazing um so thank you for what you've done and what others like you are doing along the same lines and Quite honestly, if you make a difference to one person, that's it, right? Yes, that's so. correct. And I was in a, and I was fortunate enough to be in a position in Sacramento where I was a big fish in a small pond, and I used my uh, uh, public figure status. I don't call it celebrity. I wasn't. I don't consider myself a celebrity. I used my status as a public figure to help out others. Now you don't have to be a public figure to help out others, but it's easier because I would have you know, companies uh, sponsor my golf tournament. I mean, you know, we would net $100,000 at my golf tournament and we, we, we had great success, but I wouldn't have been able to do that as easily if I were just a quote unquote private person. Being a public figure, being a well-known figure in the community gave me an advantage and I used that advantage to help out others. So it doesn't really matter how you do it, but I always feel, you know, everyone can make someone else's life better. It really doesn't, you don't need money. You, you just need to be nice. You just need to make an effort. And if you make an effort, you can help out someone else's life. And it doesn't, you don't have to have money to do it. So Grant, you just literally hit the nail on the head. You're, you're not going to remember these things, but there was numerous times when we were at Kings games and uh, we came down and, oh my gosh, it's Grant Napier. And hey, you say you're not a celebrity, but locally you were definitely a celebrity. You know that. Um, but you would be so gracious. It was never the brush off, like, hey, how you doing? Like, you would sit there and, you know, have a couple second chat um, with us. I, I remember when I was, when Jim Rome was here in town, and I've told you this before, uh, doing the station visit, 
I did like a three to five minute segment. You were going on, I think a couple segments after I went on and you were the first person to come up to me and say, you did a great job and you represented Sacramento very, very well. And you have no idea, like people like you or, you know, that are in broadcasting media, they don't have to do that. You didn't have to seek me out. And that's changed my entire path. So thank you for that. And more importantly, you're changing the path of, you know, students that, you know, may not be able to go to college. And uh, that's just such a great cause. So really appreciate it. Thank you, Ryan. I appreciate it, man. I love when you call. Uh, You have just phenomenal uh, questions and insights. And uh, I, I love talking with you. I really do. It's fabulous. Great conversation. I, I don't know if I uh, reiterated this, but I, I have to uh, get going here. I have a commitment at the top of the hour that I have to leave for. So we're going to wrap up the show today, but we'll be back tomorrow. We'll uh, do a preview of game six. We'll talk about round one of the U.S. Open and some other things. We'll also talk about tonight's game one that's going to be starting momentarily uh, with the Colorado Avalanche and the Tampa Bay Lightning. All right, on that note, I will say so long. Really enjoyed the show today. Thank you so much. Talk to you tomorrow. Goodbye. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.